So, good evening. We are we are finishing. It's actually kind of a sad note tonight. We are finishing the the, the spiritual disciplines. When we began spiritual discipline number one way back in January, it was a different world, wasn't it? Um, it was, uh, you know, it, here we are at the end, and uh, it's been one of the most fruitful studies that I've ever done is the spiritual disciplines. And my favorite, one of my favorite disciplines, I say my favorite, maybe it is, it's definitely a fun one, um, is this last one. Uh, and it's uh, it's a special one. So we're going to close out tonight with the final spiritual discipline. Um, and just to remind us, our goal was to pursue really, uh, to not pursue discipline, right? Discipline's not the goal. Discipline is the means to get to a goal. The, and the goals are freedom. So to get to freedom, right, we want the disciplines help us along the way. Those three areas are our personal walk, uh, spiritual friendships, the mission. Those three areas we've been looking at, how can we grow in our personal walk? How can we grow in deepening spiritual friendships? And how can we grow uh, in the mission? The mission being mainly serving the poor and evangelism. Um, and the things that help us the most with that are spiritual disciplines. The disciplines help us along the way. They're simply tools to get us to those places, right? Just as solitude may help you be able to have spiritual friendships because in, in the discipline of solitude, maybe you learn to listen, right? Or the discipline of fasting helps you to be able to pray, which helps you to be able to become aware of the needs of the poor down the street, right? And so the tools, these are just tools to help us to get to a place where we can grow uh, as disciples, which is a so much more inspiring conversation than, hey, what have you sinned in recently? Or how have you how have you failed, right? Or how have you fallen short of the expectation of Christ recently? Let's just touch base on how how much we've messed up, right? That's a that 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 doesn't really have uh, much endurance to it, and that's not an inspiring conversation. But the question of what are you training in recently, or what's got you expired inspired recently? What's got you excited recently? What are you working on? What do you and so uh, it's a different conversation, but one that has a, a goal toward, right, sitting before Christ um, at, at the judgment seat to be able to, to say, I did my best. I ran the race. Um, I worked on it. We, we went for it, you know, and it's, it's a different inspiring uh, framing of the conversation. So hopefully you've benefited from this as much as I have. I know that um, it is a lot, but it's something that hopefully if only one discipline caught your eye or pricked your heart over the last few months, then amen. It's a discipline that perhaps uh, this year can kind of be the year, the year of that for you. I know that many of the brothers uh, have been doing fasting, uh, different fasts once a week for the last couple months, and that's been incredible. Um, and I shouldn't say anything because I should keep it a secret, but I might be doing one right now, and I'm a little, a little grumpy. But you know, it's it's been awesome to be able to to go deep in that and to share our victories with one another as we go after fasting. So anyway, enough of that. What you came for what you paid the entrance fee, what the entrance ticket, price of admission, which was nothing uh, for those listening at home. But we're crossing the finish line in the final discipline, which is the maybe the most important because without this discipline, the other ones are uh, probably a slog and probably boring and probably overwhelming. It's the discipline of celebration. And it's probably a discipline right now that may seem inappropriate. Um, I know that all, a lot of us have been mourning with those who mourn. We've been suffering with those who suffer. We've been experiencing um, the whole gamut of the emotional spectrum over the last few months. But there's a reason that discipline, that, that, that celebration is a discipline. Now, there's a reason that we, we have to will, we have to, we have to make time for it, we have to uh, be intentional about it. 
because otherwise, with, if we lose that celebration, if it just becomes too dependent on our circumstances, it can really destroy um, our perspective, as we'll see in just a moment. You know, Jesus begins and ends his ministry with joy. He begins his ministry in Luke 2 with joy. He says, I bring you good news of a great joy, cried the angel, which shall come to all the people. You know, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary with great news. Euangelion, which is the word for evangelism, evangelist. It, I bring good news, right? And then Jesus leaves in John 15 with good news, with celebration. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Considering the life that Jesus lived and how, how often they didn't have money or, or food um, or were traveling or didn't have a place to lay his head, it's pretty incredible that Jesus began and ended his ministry with good news, with celebration. You know, we try to share good news at church sometimes. It is hard. It's really hard if you've noticed to share good news, right? Sometimes nobody has anything, right? Sometimes it's like, eh, what is good news? I can't think of anything. Um, and it's, it's a discipline. And if you're not, if you do not train yourself or allow the Holy Spirit to train you in sharing good news, um, then yeah, we can kind of become robotic religious dogmatists, which no one really, I'm not sure if dogmatist is a word, Bobby can check that, but dogmatic, um, we, and it's a slog and it's, it's kind of the religious, um, caricature, right? Of the boring, judgmental, uh, lifeless, joyless, uh, gray and black character that many that many people, especially young people, have no stinking interest in. Especially when the the life of doing good, especially social good, is so much is, is in full color. Um, but Christians should be full of life. We should have the most life, the most zeal, the most the most good news. But it, it tends to not so much be the case, and we end up looking a lot like these folks, right? Especially recently. Um, but celebration is, it brings joy into life and it, and joy makes us strong. There's a wonderful passage, if you can jot this down, in Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah 8.10 uh, says, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, joy makes us strong. You know, we cannot continue long in anything without joy, right? Women endure childbirth, I'm told. Women endure, endure childbirth because of the joy of motherhood that lies on the other side right? Young marrieds, right? Endure the, the hard couple years of the first, first hard couple years of marriage. Uh, not that that's the case, Stephen and Eliza. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be just fine. But, you know, they, they endure that the first hard couple years because of what lies in a long and fulfilling life together as marrieds. And, and, and parents hold steady through the teenage years, knowing that the joy that their, their teenagers will come out human on the other side, um, you know, they, they hang in there, but without joy or without the expectation of joy, uh, we cannot endure. No one can endure. You know, uh, you can't even begin a, a piano lesson, right? You can't continue, at least in piano lessons. You can begin by the, by the sheer dint of willpower, but to continue on through any discipline, there has to be joy along the way. There has to be. Um, no, no, otherwise it, it will, it will not endure. No one can continue in that, in that life. And, you know, the only reason we can begin anything is because we know that joy is the end result. That is what sustains all novices. And, uh, they know there is a sense of pleasure, joy, and even the freedom of mastery. Um, and I think this is a, a really big one, especially for, for parents. Um, because I think that celebration is actually one of the disciplines that the, that your kids see in you or they don't see in you. 
Um, and one of the things that it happens, I think, when we become Christians is that we know joy is important, so we try to force it, and we try to uh, put on a good face. We try to put on a smile, and the danger, the danger with that, and I understand, I understand that we want to deny ourselves and carry our cross daily, but but the danger in that is that we are we end up kind of conveying hypocrisy, that we're actually kind of lying about the inner our inner spirit. You know, it's like if somebody says, "How are you?" and you say, "Great," but you're not really great. There's a there's a hypocrisy in there, and sometimes our kids, what they notice is that, you know, mom and dad are miserable all week, and then they go to church and pretend to be happy for two hours, and then they go back to being miserable. No wonder they don't have any interest in pursuing God, right? That's just it's just misery. It's just a bummer, right? At that point, but but if we, God doesn't, and I think a lot of people think in in these terms of. At church, I'll get my injection of joy. Or at Bible talk or at family group, I'll get my injection of joy. But what a shame that is that we rely uh, and that we contain the the power of God to a 90-minute window on Sunday, which is highly subjective to what song we sing. If we don't sing the right song, oh boy, there goes joy for the week. And, you know, amen, those things can be encouraging, but we should not rely on a 90-minute window on Sunday or a 45-minute window on Wednesday for an injection of joy. You know, God has no interest in bypassing your misery. He wants to transform it. You know, God has no intention of bypassing your misery. He wants to transform it. And without a joyful spirit of festivity, the disciplines become dull. They're they're death-breathing tools in the hands of modern Pharisees, says Richard Foster. You know, every discipline should be characterized by a carefree joy and a sense of thanksgiving. Uh, Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, if you remember from Galatians 5. And often I'm inclined to think that that joy is actually kind of like the motor. You know, if if you're just fasting every week with no joy, no victory, no celebration, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, you fade, right? If you're praying every week, just pray, 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 but there's no joy or celebration or, you know, a lot of times, now I study the Bible with some teenagers, right? Some of, some of them are, are your age. I was one of them. Some of them are your age. Some of them are yours. Um, some of them are, are ones I've studied the Bible with other places. One of the things about teens, I think, is that they, they want celebration. They want excitement. They want faith risk-taking. You know, If it's just a list of do's and don'ts and misery, it's like, I'm really surprised that, no, like, but this might be the most important discipline in that it infuses all the other disciplines. Why doesn't my son read the Bible is not the right question. Is why isn't he having fun read, reading the Bible? Why isn't he, why isn't she, why doesn't my daughter want to pray? It's the wrong question. Why isn't she experiencing the celebration through prayer? At the very least, seeing your celebration. And I think sometimes, sometimes within us, uh, we just get to this, just do it, just do it, just do it, and I'll rely on my injection shot of joy coming Sunday or Wednesday. But let me tell you, church is on Zoom now. So, Bummer, um, you know you can't. We can't rely on 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 that injection. And, and hey, like I don't know about worship. Maybe we'll do YouTube. Maybe we won't. I don't know how it'll go. Maybe we'll do more gospel centered songs. Maybe we'll do, you know, old Church of Christ hymns. Maybe we. Maybe I don't know some kind of mix. Uh, maybe I don't know. But but it shouldn't matter. That should be supplemental. And God has a, a, a heart to transform your entire week, the misery of your week, not just the misery, the mundaneness of your week. 
your drive to work, your drive home from work, uh, going, taking the kids to school. You know, this is a picture that kind of shows we hope for that lightning rod, right, during church of, of injection. But God hopes to transform everything when you go fishing or when you go swimming or when you are at work or when you walk, you know, when Will Portillo walks Bean, right, walks the dog. I mean, God wants to transform that experience to be a celebration. You know, God's normal means of bringing joy is by redeeming and sanctifying the ordinary aspects of life, right? When the members of a family are filled with love and compassion and a spirit of service to one another, that family has reason to celebrate. There is something sad in people running from church to church, trying to gain an injection of joy from the Lord based on worship or kids ministry or, I don't know, aesthetics, right? Joy is not found in a particular kind of music or in getting with the right kind of group or even in the exercising of the charismatic gifts of the Spirit, right? Uh, good as these may all be, but joy is found in obedience. And as much we don't sing this song anymore, it's an old one, but it really does begin with, with obedience, to trust and obey, right? It begins with obedience. Um, and it has to begin with obedience. Otherwise, we rely on our emotions, and that's, that's the danger with all the disciplines right nowadays is we, we don't want to push things on people because we want it to be their own decision. We don't want to push things on ourselves because we want to just feel it. just want to feel it. Um, I almost never feel like doing good, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think if I wasn't born in a Christian family, uh, bad things would happen. I have a whole, I have like six different outcomes. I think five involve prison. But um, I... I don't know. I, I, don't, I think I have, I'm, I feel like Cain. I feel like sin is crouching at my door, right? It desires to have me, uh, but I must conquer it. That's a mild confession. I'll have to edit that out of the podcast. Um, but, but I do think that there is something in obedience and trust that begins us along that path and to help others to begin to trust and obey. Waiting for somebody of their own volition um, I think there, there is something to help somebody learn obedience, but also help. We got something we got to teach ourselves as well. And as we go throughout our day, God wants to transform our misery, not bypass it. That everything we do becomes redeemed, becomes um, becomes refreshing. You know, I remember they don't sell them anymore, but there were these York. I, I like York, you know, peppermint peppermint patties. But they used to have these Yorks that were like M and M's. And I had a friend from Australia visit America and. He tried these. They're like York M&Ms, right? So he tries them and he goes, wow, tastes like a baptized M&M. And I thought that was a beautiful way of explaining, right? The M&M, it's like it got baptized. Now it's refreshing, right? But there's something, even if you take something mundane or just plain old boring M&M chocolate, but if you, if you, if you baptize it in the discipline of celebration, uh, you, you meet people like this. You know people like this, right? You meet people like Kirk Valencia or Paul Hutchins who are just somehow spinning every mundane thing into a victory and never get in a good news battle with Kirk Valencia, by the way, because no one's yet won. But um, everything is trans. Everything is wonderful. Every, and you could like share with him something. He's just, he finds it. It's a discipline. It's a, it's a, it has a way of transforming every conversation to, to be redeemed, to be refreshed, to be like a York peppermint patty of sorts. Uh, I don't know. I didn't plan that analogy. It wasn't in the notes, but we went for it. I don't really have a reason for this photo. I just wanted to show it because some of you at this point are still probably thinking, I don't feel it. I'm not celebrating. Things are hard. No, Drew, forget it. 
I hate this. But bam, look at that. Try not to, try not to love that. I, I was just staring at that earlier, like, oh man, my heart is, so, is melting. You know, but, but a lot of us, I think we, we try to fake, we try to fake the celebration or we try to put on a, a mask or, you know, there, there's something beautiful about laughter. There's something beautiful about uh, dancing. And I can't believe I just said that. But there's something beautiful about dancing. There's something beautiful about noise. There's something beautiful about expression. You know, even when we, when we sing on, on Sundays, right? We don't, we aren't together anymore, but, but moving and, and enjoying. Some people look like they're dying on the inside, right? When they're singing, it looks like this is the most painful experience. And there's a discipline too of like just letting go. And it doesn't have to be singing, doesn't have to be dancing. We'll talk about some other practicals, but if we're not celebrating, if we're not celebrating what Christ has done to redeem all mankind, then it just becomes a, it becomes a, a, a slog through the mud. And those around us have no interest in being inspired. They're not inspired by our, our example. Um, and then, you know, it's not fun for us either, right, at that point, to be able to just to celebrate and to be grateful for what God has done for what God has already done. Um, I want to add something in an addendum, you know, because I think to trust and obey is the beginning of celebration. But I think all of us should know that it's not enough. You can't just trust and pray your way. And, and uh, sorry, if you can't pray, you can't pray and um, obey your way. There it is. You can't pray and obey your way to, to, to celebration. Um, that's the, if I were to change it, I'd add, that's where you start. That's where you start, right? But prayer and trust by themselves are not adequate to bring us joy. Um, you know, Paul tells us in Philippians 4 to, to focus our minds on certain things. And there's a hierarchy here of the beauty of God. You know, there's, there's something about a window. I have one right now. There's something about looking out a window and seeing the beauty, the majesty, the, res- the, the things in life worthy of respect. There's something about seeing nature. There's something about seeing, seeing the beauty of God and focusing my mind on the beauty of God that allows me to be able to celebrate properly. Um, and God has established a creative order of excellent and good things. It follows naturally that we should give our, give our attention to those good things, right? And we will find joy. That is God's appointed way to joy. If we think we will have joy only by praying and singing psalms, we will be disillusioned. That if we fill our lives with simple good things and constantly thank God for them, we will be joyful. That is, full of joy. You know, one of the benefits of the discipline of celebration is that you begin to not take yourself too seriously, um, to be able to laugh at yourself, to be able to, uh, to, be able to have perspective. Um, uh, and this is a desperately needed discipline because it's a discipline of grace. Um, to celebrate even when you fail, to be able to say, I blew it, but I'm, gonna, I'm so grateful that God still sent Jesus to die for me. I messed up, but I'm still grateful that my friends haven't given up on me. I've, I've, the last six months has been awful for me, but I'm so grateful for this chance to repent. We need, we desperately need grace, especially now. We cannot hope, we cannot hope, church, I'll say it again, to have grace-filled conversations about race with each other if we don't experience grace from God. And if we don't celebrate that grace, we can't begin to talk about what's going on in the pandemic with economic strain and pain. We can't begin to talk about an election year 
can't begin to talk about those things. Are you kidding? With no grace? It's going to blow up. And, and before we begin to think about each other, I pray that we can take this all personally. Apply it personally to, to pursue the discipline of celebration. You know, we live in a world that is more melancholy and depressing than celebrative. Um, you know, we just, I challenge you, go on, you know, pursue any social media outlet. Do you see mostly good news or do you see mostly melancholy? And it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I think now is in a special time. And, you know, I think we do need to take, we do need to suffer with the things that are happening now that do need us to be sober about for sure. But I think in general, in general, I think we lack, we lack celebration. Um, it's an ocup- occupational hazard of devout folk to become stuffy bores. I like that. Um, this should not be, all, of all people, we should be the most free. We should be the most alive. And here it is, we should be the most interesting. Um, and the beautiful thing about disciplines, I found, is that I have a lot more stories to tell. You know, when, when, you, when you don't, are, you're not pursuing anything, it's like, how's your faith? Uh, uh, fine. Nothing has really happened in my life. You know, I haven't, nothing. but if you're pursuing, you have victories, you have failures, um, you have pain, you have uh, agony of defeat, you have the, the, the uh, apex of joy. There's, there's, there's something beautiful in it, but if we don't have the discipline of celebration, we forfeit grace. Oh boy, are the other disciplines going to be rough. The other disciplines are going to stink. We might as well just become, right, legalistic, law-abiding, uh, you know, Citizens, I don't know what else to say. Uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no life. And Jesus came to give us life to the full. Um, Jesus came to give us meaning. He came to give us perspective. He came to help us know that even though you, you've sinned, I still found you worthy to die for you. And even though you've messed up and been a Christian for 20 years and are still stuck in those patterns of thoughts, Hey, there's still a lot more victories out there. There's a lot more defeats out there, but I'm not going anywhere. Um, and there's, there's, there's something beautiful about that. And when we lose the beauty, we just become a church that um, votes a certain way and sings a certain way and lives a certain way because we're comfortable with people that are similar to us. And if, if, it's, and if, we're, not, if we're not comfortable with the similarities, we'll leave and we'll find something more comfortable. The sad news is, is that uh, it's just 1%, 2%, 3% poison down the line. You know, a quote from Foster is that, thus freed of an inflated view of our own importance, we are freed of a judgmental spirit. Others do not look so awful, so unspiritual. Common joys can be shared without sanctimonious value judgments. I love that. You know, when you know the discipline of celebration, you can, uh, you can actually grow in not being judgmental. Uh, right? Because you've learned to give yourself grace. So you can now learn to give others grace. But how do we do it? Right? That's the big, the big question. How? You know, I have five different ways here. Number one, dance and sing and make noise. You know, look at kids. How do kids, how, how do kids celebrate? It's usually number one, right? And a little bit of number two. Um, but to, to, to let loose, to, to, to go for it, you know, um, to allow your, allow your body to be able to celebrate. Whether that's locking the door, being alone and singing some hymns, whether it's on your, your prayer walk in the morning, doing a little, you know, when you sing the hymns, doing a little move. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think we do have to learn to, to let loose, though. Number two is laugh. 
You know, laughter is the best medicine. And I know that when I'm not laughing, I am, I'm in trouble. I was born to laugh. I was born to joke. A lot of you know, I love jokes. Wanted to be a comedian when I was a kid. I had a stand-up act when I was six. It did, it, it killed, by the way. Um, but I've gone a different route. Um, but I love, I love jokes. I love laughing. And, and, and we got to make sure we're laughing. And I've really appreciated um, some of the brothers and sisters recently, you know, getting together and just laughing and just uh, connecting whether that's over the phone or whether that's social distancing happy hours um, of sorts, those have been times to be able to just laugh. And sometimes that's enough. You know, finishing a project, getting a raise, getting a new job. Number four, fantasy, imagination. We should not just let, you know, the world of, of video games uh, dominate fantasy, right? Dominate imagination. Like kids need imagination. A lot of you a lot of lives were transformed. We read Lord of the Rings or we, we read uh, C.S. Lewis. We read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we need to access imagination. Some of your kids are, are, are you know, and some of yourselves, I like it. I like to get with the teens because we start to go crazy places with our imaginations about what God can do. And, wh- and what, what if God was like this? And what if God was like that? And what if, and what if, and what if? And writing stories, writing short stories about God, writing short stories about what Christ has done. I mean, these are areas that we just shut off. We just shut off completely. And we just go, okay, do the right thing. Be, all right, just, eh, we kill it. And then five, cultural celebrations, right? Redeeming cultural celebrations. You know, there's a cultural celebration this Friday, you know, Juneteenth. It's a chance to be able to celebrate an incredible, an incredible event. And I believe Will's going to put some info in the chat about that. But there's a chance to be able to celebrate with the people in our community who are already celebrating liberation, uh, celebrating salvation, celebrating time together. I want to close out with a quote from the book. As we wrap up, it's a, it's a bittersweet moment. I'm, it's really emotional for me because I have loved this. I think, I think I've loved this study more than, more than most others we've done. I just have, I just feel like we're, we're looking at the tip of the iceberg here, but we'll close out with this a quote from Richard. I call him Richard now because uh, we've, we've got to know each other, but a quote from Richard um, says, we have come to the end of the study but only to the beginning of our journey. We have seen how meditation heightens our spiritual sensitivity, which in turn leads us to prayer. Very soon we discover that prayer involves fasting as an accompanying means, informed by the three disciplines we can effectively move into study, which gives us discernment about ourselves and the world in which we live. Through simplicity, we live with others in integrity. Solitude allows us to be genuinely present to people when we are with them. Through submission, we learn, or sorry, we live with others without manipulation. And through service, we are a blessing to them. Confession frees us from ourselves and releases us to worship. Worship opens the door to guidance. All of the disciplines freely exercised bring forth the doxology. That means praise. Brings forth the praise of celebration. The classical disciplines of the spiritual life beckon us to the Himalayas of the spirit. Now we stand at the timber line awed by the snowy peaks before us. We step out in confidence with our guide who has blazed the trail and conquered the highest summit. Amen. The challenge for tonight is one of celebration. Which of these do you want to pursue this week? Um, one, two, three, four, or five. You can add six or seven if you like. But in our, in our small groups, in our breakout rooms, we just have, you know, it's just a, a short little question tonight, but which one do you want to go after? It could just be to laugh. It could be that you want to dance, sing, and make noise with your family and do a family devotional of songs. It could be you want to celebrate a project you're working on or you're writing a book or you're writing a short story, you're writing a song. You know, I know that some of the brothers have written 
poems or spoken word about Christ, these beautiful things, these beautiful aspects of creativity. Or five, maybe it's, maybe it's going on Friday to the Juneteenth celebration. Maybe it's a different cultural celebration that you really want to go after um, at this time. Maybe it's somebody in your life you want to celebrate. Um, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, we want to celebrate Landon for all he's done for the website. You know, we want to celebrate the Jennings for all they do for kids ministry, the Pearsons for all they do for kids ministry. We want to celebrate our family group leader, you know, Sawyers, Schaefer's, Balsh's, Jeffers, uh, you know, the team, we want to celebrate our team leaders. There's so much to celebrate. And I pray that we can take a little bit of time tonight to pick one of those things this week. Let's go ahead and say a prayer. And I want to say, I love you all. I'm grateful that we've been able to do this study together. Uh, and I'm excited to, you know, climb the Himalayas, <laughs> climb the Himalayas together uh, with Jesus as our guide, of course. Let's say a prayer and then we'll break up and do our uh, breakout rooms for the night. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.